0: It's good to be with you today. Um, I've got a few, you know, when I, when I prepare a message, I try to forget everybody who's going to listen, because you can't preach a message and worry about what people think. That's not a, that's a mistake. I'm sure you know it. When you're speaking from God, then you're free. You're my only, I only have one person I have to please say, it's Jesus. And so I've got some things that I think the Lord wants you to hear. And um, I'm going to pray for you because, you know, when you hear something and you're not prepared to receive it, it may as well not even say it. Is it isn't it true? I mean, sometimes, you, you know, you can talk to someone, you already know what they're going to say, I don't want to hear it. So I'm going to pray that all of us, because this is a message for me as well, will be attentive to the Lord. Let's just ask him to open up our eyes, our hearts to hear from him this morning. Lord, what a good day it is to be in your house, to be with your people, to worship you, to hear from you, to learn from you. Teach us, Lord, this morning. Lord, we ask you open up our our ears to hear you. We ask you remove anything over our heart that would be hardened, that would hinder what you want to say. Lord, we ask you to help us to see things that we're blind to. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Now, I have a great PowerPoint I prepared. It's at home. It's on a flash drive. And as I was getting ready to leave, I felt like the Lord said, don't bring it. So, I thought that doesn't make any sense. But I've learned long ago that God doesn't always make sense. So, today, I encourage you to get your Bibles out. (laughs) As shocking as that may be. (laughs) We used to have a thing they would say in a lot of churches, a sword drill. You hold your Bible up, it's the sword of God. And it was a drill to see how fast you could find a Bible verse. You, those of you raised in some churches, they, they did that. You had to get all the kids together. Okay, everybody hold up your Bible. Find, you know, Romans 3.23. And the first person would get it would get a prize. So today we're going to have a little bit of that. So get your phone out. <laughs> if you haven't downloaded a Bible, you can do it before I get too far into the message. <laughs> and you can look up these verses. This is a wonderful tool, this book that God has given us. It is life-giving. It tells the future. It will set you free. It, we need to know it. A soldier knows his weapon. My friend, we led him to the Lord over in Russia. Um, and he was, um, told me that they trained them how to take an AK-47 apart blindfold, blindfold and put it back together. The Russian soldiers, and even the kids in grade school, they know how to take care of their weapons so this is our weapon let's learn it let's learn to it, take it apart blindfold and put it back together I think the Lord has wants to do something special in our lives in 2024 now boy how many sermons have we heard okay 2024 is going to be a different year now here we are again preaching the same message and 2024 may not be different at all we have great plans we get inspired and then nothing happens So we're believing that this time, something's going to change. And I've got some things to to address there. Wouldn't it be great if this year, 2024, you had some victories in some areas where the devil has kicked, excuse excuse the vernacular here, he's kicked your butt. (laughs) He has wore you out. Wouldn't it be great if this year that changed? Something really really wonderful happened. How many days was it? I need a Bible scholar here, so I see some people are perking up. How many days was it that Goliath stood before the armies of Israel and mocked them and said, Don't you have anybody that's ready to fight me? How many days was it? I think it was 40, wasn't it? It was a long time, whatever it was. So, someone can look that up on your Bible and tell us. But can you imagine every day he's coming out, this giant of a man? Everybody's terrified, they're scared. This man can kill you with, so easily. And he's got this huge armor on, and he's mocking and humiliating the people of God. I bet there's some Goliaths in your lives right now. every morning the devil's there and he gets up and he mocks you. He says, "You haven't beaten me yet." What is it? What what's your Goliath? Is it depression? some problem with Your own personal life, you just can't seem to get it straight. Some problem in your family. Let's believe in 2024, Goliath is going to lose his head. Something's going to change. 40 days, days, I was right. 40 days, what a humiliation. Every day for 40 days, the devil's there mocking. He's a mocker. The devil is that way. And he's mocking us today. So I believe in this year, we're going to have five smooth stones and a little shepherd named Jesus. It's going to come into our lives and take the head off. Because we, ne- we can't do it ourselves. There's no one in that army that could beat Goliath. But the little shepherd could could do so. So, um, another verse I want you to re- try to remember today as we're getting ready to get into the message. is 1 Corinthians 10.13. I memorized that long ago. 1 Corinthians 10.13. If you're taking notes and you have your, your uh, little place here in the back of your bulletin to write some notes down. This is one I encourage you to memorize because when we're dealing with a Goliath in your life, the one thing he says is you're going to get beat. Now, I, I really respect wrestlers, and we have one of the best wrestlers in the world right here, um, Leonard Baldori wrestled for Michigan State University, and, um, you know, and this is a wrestling match, and the enemy wants to pin you and so you need to remember that you will not be defeated. 1 Corinthians 10.13, for there is no temptation that has overtaken you. Who can help me with the rest of it? That is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to do it. Woo, that was awesome. You were ready. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Ty. You need to remind the devil, devil, you are not ever going to beat me. No, this is not too hard of a challenge. God will never let me be tempted more than I can stand. This thing, I'm going to beat it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> and we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind this year. Okay, um, <clears throat> we turn in your Bibles, if you could, or your phone, whatever you have, to Psalm 139. And I really appreciated uh, the songs we had today. Um, Rachel, thank you for picking this Because we're going to, one of those songs in particular, the last one, relates to what we're going to be talking about today. Psalm 139, who can read verses 1, 2, and 3? Psalm 139, 1, 2, and 3. If you have it, raise your hand. Okay, t- uh, I see Miss Redowdy, Mrs. Redowdy. And in the next verse, if you read the next one too, verse 4. Before a word is my tongue, you know it. How many, isn't it great that God knows you that well? He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He even knows why you're going to say it. And he even knows what's wrong with it. <laughs> and Why you really probably shouldn't have said it. God really, really knows you. He knows about your problems before you ever heard of them. God is never up in heaven saying, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> he knows all about it. And he will not let you be tempted more than you can stand. When he gives you a problem, he gives you the grace to get through it. So uh, in 2024, uh, he, he knows what you're worrying about. He knows what you should do. That's the best one. He knows. Maybe nobody in this whole entire church, maybe nobody watching online knows what you should do. But God knows exactly the way out of that situation that you are in. He knows your problems. He knows what is burdening you today. Um, Now, there's a second part of uh, that Psalm 139 I want you to read with me. Uh, I need someone to read verse 23 and 24, Psalm 139, verses 20, someone different. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. I see Reverend Marvin, go ahead. That's quite a prayer to pray. You know, the, the, the reason why we're not getting the victory over the enemy in 2024 so far, we uh, haven't got there yet, but it may be there's something in us that's keeping that victory. Maybe there's a fear, a doubt, a habit that is just taking our strength away. It's sapping our strength. And so we're not quite going to make it. Because of that thing. We need to know what is going on. And the Lord says, here's what David's saying. Lord, would you look in me and find the thing that it, that's causing the trouble? And just get it out of my life. Lord. Expose it because I'm blind to it. I don't see it. And uh, our problem is, is ourselves. Uh, Pogo, you have to be really old to know who Pogo was. His comic strip back years ago. And there's a famous phrase he, that was, came and in, entered into American culture. He said, we have met the enemy, and he is us. <laughs> we have met the enemy. And he says, look in the mirror, there's your enemy. We are the problem. My mother, one day, when she was starting to have just been this Alzheimer's thing, she, um, I was talking to her on the phone. She said, you know, someone broke into my house. I said, no, what did they take? She said, they took my TV remotes. I said, Mother, you think you might have just misplaced those remotes? Maybe they're in the couch, in the cushion. She said, No, I did not misplace them. Someone broke into my house and took those remotes. I said, Mother, I, th- I think you're probably going to find them. And uh, so I think it was the later the next day or so. I said, Mother, did you find those remotes? Yeah, they're here. Okay, uh, so see, no one broke in. She said, Oh, yes, they did. What do you mean? She said, Why would someone break into your house and just hide your remotes? She said, just to irritate me. (laughs) She was so sure of her own memory that she knew that she had not misplaced those remotes, that there was some strange place. We've met the enemy, and he is us. He is us. So how do we find out what's going on? Because, you know, our memory is deceptive. And there's other things in us that just can't see. We are blind to what is going on. Before I had... My cataract surgery, people were coming over, and we were talking. And there in the dining room, there's a little spot you can see where there used to be a window. And so they had plastered it, and they hadn't repainted it well. And you could see it, but I'd look right at it, and I'd say, I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it. But when I had that cataract surgery, it's clear as day. There's areas in my life and in your life where we're just blind, to what's really there. We just can't see it. And God has an answer. He says, search me and know me and see if there's any hurtful way in me. In the uh, uh, LXX Septuagint, it's, it says a sinful way in me. You know, sin hurts us. It causes us harm. And we need to know what it is. What's the name of it? What am I doing over and over that's self-sabotaging my future? That's hurting me, holding me back, hurting my family. What is it, Lord? There are four ways that God speaks to us to help us see these things. So we've asked him in Psalm 139, Lord, show me. What is it? There are four ways, and these are progressive. And the Lord starts very gently, and then it gets, it's a little harder as long as it goes along. The first thing is, is our conscience, the witness to our, Holy, our spirit. Like this morning, the Lord said, don't bring that PowerPoint. So, okay. Sometimes God just whispers to us. The, what was Elisha in, in the mountain running from uh, uh, Jezebel? You know, he, he was trying to hear from God. and There was an earthquake and then there was a, a fire and everything. And then there was a gentle whisper of the wind. And he went out. That's when God spoke. God speaks in whispers. And so, <clears throat> Paul and his team wanted to go to the province of Asia but they said we, we didn't go because the Holy Spirit would not let us. The Bible says let the uh, uh, Spirit reign in our hearts. So we, we learned that way. So God may be whispering to you. He may be saying, you know, this particular thing you're praying about, that I've exposed some things in your life that are holding you back, that are hindering your future, that are making you poor, that are making you sick, that are making you depressed. This is it. But, you know, we can ignore that. That's one of the problems with that, that particular thing. We can ignore it. The second thing is the Bible. Now, King Josiah was a great king, and he was reading the Bible, and he said, what? You mean this, God said not to do this, and we've been doing it? He had a revelation, and they changed so much. He was such a good king because he read the word. So sometimes we read the Bible, and we say, oh, okay, now I understand why things are not clicking. Uh, <clears throat> So that was if you look that one up, to Second Kings twenty two ten, and the first verse was Acts sixteen six, where the Holy Spirit spoke to him. So then, thirdly, you know, let's say that <laughs> the Holy Spirit's whispering and we're just not getting it, and let's say we're reading the Bible and we're just reinterpreting it. Well, it really doesn't mean that. You know, uh, that's in the Old Testament. I've heard. How many have heard that one? Well, you can't listen to that. That's, that's the Old Testament. <laughs> oh no. I, no, I'm a Calvinist, I don't believe this. We just reinterpret it, we twist it around, we do different things with it. So sometimes God has, he's whispering to us, we're not listening. He's given us his word. We're, we're kind of reinterpreting that. Uh, Nathan, and then so he moves to number, step number three to help us see where we're at. So we can get a good picture. It's the MRI. And that he'll send somebody to you. God will sometimes give somebody a burden for you, and they hopefully they'll be nice about it. <laughs> they'll pull you over and say, you know, you know how much I love you? And when they say that, you know you're in for trouble. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I love you. Okay, okay, now we got that straddle. Now I'm gonna tell you something you're not gonna like. So Nathan, now David had killed a man, had taken his wife, and he's just going on like everything's normal. And I'm sure in his mind he had some kind of justification for it. There's always a justification. Uh, I read about a psychological test that they give to thieves. Thieves like to justify stealing your stuff. And one of the, their justifications is they say, well, if Dave cared about his stuff, he just, he'd watch it a little more carefully. So he deserves to have it stolen. Didn't? <laughs> oh, that's, a good one. that's another justification. You know, these folks, they've lived pretty good. I've had a rough life. So I deserve their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you can justify about anything, you know. And so sometimes you need someone to come in and just shake you out of that justification. So Nathan told David this story, you know, because David had his wall of justifications, excuses, why this is okay. I'm a king. I'm under a lot of pressure. I need stress relief. I don't know what all stories he, he, he came up with, but something to keep his conscience from eating him alive. So Nathan to- told him the story about this guy. Had a, a little, had a neighbor coming to eat, and his other, or a friend coming to eat. And he, his neighbor had this cute little baby lamb that slept with the family. It was like a member of the family, and he took the neighbor's lamb and cut it, killed it, and cooked it. And David said, that's terrible what this man did. He deserves to die for such a thing. And what did Nathan say? Tom, you know. You are the man. Cindy said, she's, point of the string, you are the man. We need a Nathan who will point their finger at us sometimes and say, you are the one. Ouch. Not pleasant. Not pleasant. But we need somebody like that because we can be blind to these things. We can look at the wall. We won't see it because there's something wrong with our vision. We like to justify these things. Um, I want to say that as I was preparing this message, I felt like the Lord said, there's somebody here um, And some online. That you're justifying something. And the Lord wants you to just be real. He's not condemning you. He wants you to be real about it. Just be honest with Him. He already knows. (laughs) God's not going to be surprised when you say, Lord, you know that thing. I've been doing this wrong. Lord said, well, I knew that a long time ago. (laughs) He knows. He just wants you to agree with him. The word confession means to agree with. We're just simply agreeing with God. We're not fighting with him anymore. We're not putting our fingers in our ears. One of my favorite preachers from New Orleans said when he was little he liked to have this, he and his brother would have fights and put his fingers, ears, and go, la, 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 <laughs> because well, he didn't want to hear what his brother said. Sometimes we're that way with God. We've got our fingers, here, la, 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 don't hear you, God. <laughs> he may send someone to you to get your attention. <clears throat> um, I had, well, that's a long story. Um, I had an assistant pastor over in Belgium, and um, gradually I realized he was a liar, and he would tell lies. And I would say, you know, didn't you say yesterday that it, it was such and so? He said, oh, no, 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 you misunderstood me. I thought, okay. I realized he's well, a little bit slippery on this, you know. He's challenging my memory. And so I realized if I was going to really help him, I'd have to confront him with hard, cold facts. And I did. I did more than once. We, this Lord gave me plenty of opportunities. And when finally I had to dismiss him. We had a church meeting. I fired him in front of the church. Very politely, I said, He's taking early retirement. <laughs> yeah. But we, I could not get him to just let go of this problem of lying. And it got to the point that everybody knew that he, you, he was a liar. And I told him one day, we had a conversation in my car, his car actually. <clears throat> I said, Roger, what's his name? I said, Roger, this is going to destroy your ministry. It's going to destroy your ministry. You've got to let it go. And he had some weird justification for it. Finally, after many of these types of conversations, he finally let me see how he was thinking, what twisted thinking the devil had given him. He said, well, you know, Kirby, the Bible says if we confess our sins, God forgives our sins, and he forgets them. So if God has forgotten my sin, who am I to admit to it? Did you see that? That's crazy. So that would he could look you in the face and lie straight face to you because he'd been forgiven. So the devil will give you a doctrine of demons, as Paul referred to Timothy, talked to Timothy. Doctrine, of, a, a theory that's created by demons. In this little department in hell, they have a sign over the door that says "Doctrine of Demons Department," and they'll create stuff. And if you want it, he'll, they'll give it to you, and you can use that. And it will mess you up. It will ruin your future. So let's be honest with God. Honest with us. Of Lord, this is a sin. I admit it's a sin. I don't know how I'm going to beat it. But um, you and I, God, let's just be real about this. You already know. You know, we're we're so blind to things. Have you ever thought about a, a proud person never knows they're proud? They never do. Also, humble people don't know they're humble. And a narcissist doesn't know he's a narcissist. They have no idea. They are just so shocked that you would have an opinion that differs from theirs that you'd want to do something that they don't want to so we're so blind in these things we need God to help us and so if God gives us that person who speaks to us, what do we do then well you know you can't believe anything Cindy says you know she's just she's kind of a religious person and reads her Bible too much I don't know and yes yes well I know that you know, Tom said the same thing but you know can't Tom what does he know you know he's just we can dismiss people so quickly. We'll think of something they said that, that, or did that wasn't so great, and they, well, you know them. They're always they don't they never liked me anyway. So, so now we God's given us three messages to help us see this problem, and we've already gone through three, and it hasn't helped us at all. So then He moves to number four with some less less pleasant than the others. That's circumstances. That's circumstances. Things just blow up in our faces. We crash and we burn. And what was it? Jehoshaphat? He had a, a treaty, a friendship with the evil king of Israel. And they, they agreed to build a fleet of ships to sail to Ophir and get gold. And God did not want him partnering with this evil king. He was under curse. He was under judgment because of sacrificing his children to an idol. God can't bless that kind of a partnership. And all the ships were sunk. All the money they put into it was wasted. There's other examples in the Bible where God uses circumstances to show people this is not right. Sometimes it's a famine. There's no rain. And suddenly the people say, okay, God, it's the third year we've had a famine. David went to God and said, Lord, what's going on? The Lord said, this is the problem. So sometimes the circumstances will get our attention. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures and he shouts to us in our pains. Sometimes we just ignore the whispering, but boy, that, that pain, what is going on? We, we go to God, and we need to deal with it. We need to deal with that. So I don't know where it is, what God is saying to you today, but um, we have a month of 504 hours, is that right, Time of, of fasting. And maybe this is the time when you can say, Lord, I want to know what it is that's holding me back. I want to know what it is that's eating my lunch. And I may have compromised, I may have justified it, um, but I want to know what it is. And and we know that, once we know what's going on, we can start to get the victory. The first step is finding out what this is. And that will keep us out of trouble, it will help our families, it will help our finances. Change is good. Turn to your neighbor, point your finger at him. This is a rare opportunity to point your finger at somebody and say, change is good. Now, it says in Jeremiah 48.11, I need someone to read that verse for us. And I'd like, um, I see you've got your Bible open already, Teresa, could you look that up? Jeremiah 48.11. And this has to do with the wine. This has to do with the wine. Now, it's a very unusual verse. Uh, It's talking about Moab. And he says, Moab has been at ease since his youth. Things have been easy for Moab. Life is just a a walk in the park. And so the uh, Lord says, You're like wine that's been left on the lees. Have you found it? Okay. Okay, this is you have to know how wine is made. You know, you take the grapes. If you're from Italy, right, they put them there, and you go, you get your, take your shoes off, you just dance on the grapes and stuff, and you crush those grapes, and then it rushes off, pours off into a little uh, vat, and then you take the the grape juice is all it is, and you put it in bottles or jars, and you let it sit for a while, and maybe months, and all those little bits of grape. Uh, And and stuff, it floats and settles out to the bottom. And that's called the dregs. You ever heard the phrase, you will drain that cup to the dregs? Nobody wants to drink the dregs. It's like mud at the bottom of the the thing. Actually, in my PowerPoint, which you are not going to see, I even have a a little glass with some dregs (laughs) of wine in it. So, the Lord is saying, now, if you leave your wine, you have to let it settle out. So, the, the, the gunk, the old, like, grape jelly settles to the bottom And ideally, after a while, you take the the wine and you pour it off. All the good stuff comes off. You leave the dregs there. And each time you pour it into another container, it gets clearer. There's less junk in it. And finally, you've got sparkling wine. Well, not that kind, but you can see through it. Light will go through it. It's not murky. And that's what happens when we go through changes. And we don't often like those changes. The Lord says, Moab, you haven't had any of those changes. Your life has been easy. Everything has been great. You've had nothing disturbing you. No one's poured you out from one jar to jar. And I want to say today that God may be sending some things in our lives that we don't like. Lord, these are changes. I like things the way they were. I had things all arranged. Uh, my life is orderly, and I, I like things over here, and I like that stuff there, and, and everything's just been turned upside down. And God does that. He turns our lives upside down because he's trying to get the junk out. He's trying to get the junk out. So this situation you're going through, maybe God is just trying to get some junk out. And maybe the change that you really don't want is for your benefit. If you leave that wine on the dregs, it'll, it'll have its, a taste will start to permeate through the wine. It will be bad wine. It can be too bitter. It just, it's, it's, it'll eventually infect your wine. And you say, you know, this started out pretty good, but because you didn't clean the dregs out, you've ruined this wine. So <clears throat> God wants to purify us so that we are pure vessels of his message. Um, Paul said to Timothy, he said, in any house there are many vessels, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So you've got porcelain. You can use porcelain for china. There's also a kind of use porcelain for something else. If a man purifies himself from things, he will be a vessel suited for honorable use. So if we get the dregs out, God can use us like we've never been used before. Because there's there's things there that are tainting the gospel, that are affecting our ministry. Um, You know, sometimes when you hear someone speak about Jesus, it's tainted. There's just something wrong in it. Because it got dregs in it, it's some, it's a little bit of gunk, and it needs to be purified. What is it in my, our lives that needs to be removed? <clears throat> uh, that we need to let the Lord do that. <clears throat> you know, uh, years ago I had a, a painful conversation with my son Daniel, and we were over in Russia. We'd spent many years in Russia. Daniel was born overseas. And sometimes as we were in a city of 15, 20 million people, it wasn't easy to live there. And um, one time Daniel said to me, he said, Dad, why couldn't we have stayed in America? Why did we have to come overseas? Why couldn't we have been like everybody else and had a peaceful, quiet life in, in our little house in Shastford, Michigan? That was a hard question because you don't want your kids to suffer. And I thought about it. And finally, the Lord gave me a revelation because we knew another couple. We were close with them. We would go tobogganing together. In fact, when we entered the ministry, we gave them our toboggan. <laughs> which, uh, little things like that. Our kids were the same, about the same age. And I thought about them. It's like the Lord brought it to mind. You know, they stayed in America, we went overseas. And so Daniel's argument was that we went overseas, so we had a lot of trouble. And we could have stayed in America and had a, a walk in the park. Easy peasy. But I thought, Lord, we brought to mind this couple who were just like us, same age, a son, our boy's age. The son had to have heart surgery. That was a, quite a shock. mother ended up with breast cancer. I had to fight through that. And the father came out with a brain tumor. And um, had surgery. He was not quite right after the surgery. And then he ended up dying a few years after that. So I thought, stay in America and avoid trouble. No, it didn't work. You can't avoid trouble. Job said, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. You're going to have trouble if you're doing the will of God, as Jesus did. Or you'll have trouble if you're not doing the will of God. The trouble is not optional. <laughs> you can't avoid it. It is coming your way. <clears throat> the only question is, am I going to have this trouble by obeying God or not? And so <clears throat> I encourage you to uh, follow Jesus. This year, be really, really harshly honest with, with yourself and, the, and let, let, let these things be dealt with. And there's some enemies we have that keep us from dealing with these things. And no, probably number one is fear. You know, I don't, I don't know. Things have gone okay, and, you know, I'm happy with the way things are. I don't, what if I change? That's going to be unpleasant, you know. We're just afraid. And the opposite of fear is faith. Lord, I don't know how this is going to be, work out, but I'm going to trust you, that you're leading me. <laughs> and also there's self-justification, you know, we, like we've already talked about that. That's an obstacle to us. There's discouragement. Uh, you know, like, oh, I don't know how ever we're going to beat that. You know, we don't have to know how it's going to happen. We say, Lord, I'm willing to change. Will you change me? I'm willing to be a made like you. Um, so I'm going to pray for you about that and uh, that the Lord will give us all strength to deal with these things. And then before I do that, I want to note some things that God can do. Because, you know, sometimes we are satisfied with the status quo. You know, I've been this way a long time. It's worked out. And I don't want to get too religious. I don't want to be a holy Joe. You know, that'd be unpleasant. I'd be unhappy. We had the theory that we're a little smarter than God, that if if I follow God's way, I'm not going to be very happy. And if I do it my way, I'll be happier. Yes, you know, I might miss some blessing in heaven, but, you know, we kind of justify that. So there's things that God wants to do. Um, I've got a friend that he loves to talk about the miracles God did in his life, and they're spectacular. I mean, demons cast up, people miraculously healed, miraculous provision, but every one of those miracles are 40 years ago. God wants to do something today. He's not done doing miracles. Some of us are real old. We kind of think, well, I'm going to put on cruise control. I'm, just to, I'm, I'm retired. I'm just going to let it go real easy. God started with Moses when he was 80. Let's not... Check out and put it on cruise control. God wants to do things with you. Turn to your neighbor. Last time I'm going to ask you to do this, turn to your neighbor, point your finger at him again, say, God is not done with you yet. (laughs) God's got good plans for you. What more can he do? You can lead someone to Christ in 2024. Wouldn't that be great? Have you done that? Why not ask God for it? Lord, let me be a pure, untainted vessel to lead someone to you. You can disciple a new believer. Someone that's in Christ, you can help them. You can get baptized in the Holy Spirit if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and have the gift of praying in tongues and prophesying and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. You can go on a missions trip in 2024. Why not do something different? It's a new year. You can uh, become a missionary. There's people who have become missionaries in their latter years. You can go to Bible school online or you you can go somewhere else. Learn that Bible. Read. Here's one. Read the Bible all the way through. I was really surprised one day, this is honest truth, Joyce Meyer, I'm, I'm sure she has since then, but she admitted she had never read the Bible all the way through. <laughs> that was amazing. What about you? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Have you read the Bible all the way through? Maybe you should. Why not? Let's do something different. Uh, you can lead a small group. Some of you are so gifted with that. You're good with people. And they, people like to, to be around you. You'd be perfect to lead a small group. We've got, what, three or four? Why not five or six? You can um, start a Sunday school class here, maybe, with donuts. If you have donuts, I will show up. <laughs> you can grow in the ministry of deliverance, you know, and casting out demons. I've, I was shocked one day reading how often that happened. And I asked God to help me in there, and it happened. Seek, and you will find. <clears throat> you can grow in a prophetic gift, learn how to prophesy and speak a word on the part of God. You can learn how to pray for the sick. You can start an online or video ministry. Lots of opportunities. God is not done with you yet. And in conclusion, yes, there is a conclusion. I'm looking at the clock. I'm doing pretty well here. So (laughs) in conclusion, um, the end of this psalm, Psalm 139, last verse is, and lead me in the everlasting way. God wants you in heaven with him. He's not against you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. He can't imagine eternity without you. If you've not made a decision to accept Christ, why not do it today? You don't have tomorrow. Right now, I have two friends that could die just like that. Sheila was talking with one of them today. I mean, she literally could die today. I've got another friend just walking across the room. His heart can barely handle it. He could die today. You don't, we don't have tomorrow. Let's get right with God today. So, <clears throat> um, if you were wondering how to do that, it's very simple. The Bible says if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We have to make a confession. Jesus said publicly, say, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I'm not ashamed of him. And then confirm that decision, that repentance, turning from your sin, going God's way. That's all that repentance is. Saying, Lord, I've gone my way my whole life. It hasn't turned out too well. (laughs) I think I'm going to go your way. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. Jesus said to ta- Matthew, the tax collector, follow me. He left his table, left his business, follow Jesus. said to Peter and Andrew with their nets casting into the sea, he said, follow me. And they left their business with their father and trusted God would take care of them. And, and he did. Jesus is saying the same thing to you, those of you watching. He's asking you to follow him. And that means turning from your way and going his way. And we confirm that decision with a public baptism. That's just a simply confirmation. Baptism doesn't save you. You can be baptized 10 times a day for a month. You'll just be wet. That's all that will (laughs) happen. But if you're repentant, then the baptism does something. It's a confirmation that I have made a decision to follow Jesus. And so I'm going to pray in conclusion for everybody here. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for this wonderful group of people that loves you. We all come together before you and ask you, Lord, in 2024 that you would show us, reveal us, reveal to us the things that are displeasing to you, that we've accommodated, we've gotten used to. Lord, we're sorry. We confess our dullness of heart and our dullness of listening to you. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to see things that we had gotten used to. Forgive us and deliver us. Lord, remember your word says you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Lord, save us from our sins. We don't know how you will do it, but we trust this year it will be different. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. And now there's um, going to be people here to pray for you. And uh, it's a wonderful ministry, so I encourage you to take advantage of that. So, Tom, I'll turn it over to you.